You're listening to the Rectutech podcast. We connect the tech thought leaders across the globe to deliver content that allows you to make better career and hiring decisions. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the webinar. Uh, this webinar we're hosting together with IM Expat. I'm Nazar from Darwin Recruitment. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about us. We are specialized in IT recruitment and we work with large enterprises, predominantly here in the Netherlands. We also serve some other markets such as uh, Germany, some Scandinavian countries and some uh, areas of the USA as well. Um, so we work with names such as ING, Shell and FedEx. So a lot of big names, but also some startups. Uh, what makes us special is that all consultants within Darwin Recruitment, they have their own specialty. So while mine is cloud engineering, Shanti is doing front end. So that enables us to find the best candidates for all of our clients. So that's me, executive consultant at Darwin Recruitment. I'd like to introduce Shanti, my colleague. Shanti, can you take the word? Yes, of course. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Um, as Nezar already explained, so I'm also um, an executive uh, recruitment consultant at Darwin. Uh, within Darwin, my specialty is hiring software development. My bread and butter is more the front end side. Um, and I'm working closely with freelancers. Well, uh, yeah, freelancers contract, basically. Uh, so that's a bit about me. Uh, and I really would like to introduce you, Victoria, from I Am Expat as well. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, yeah, as the guy said, I'm Victoria from I Am Expat. I work as an editor and I Am Expat Media is an English language media company. We operate in the Netherlands, Switzerland and Germany. We've been operating in the Netherlands for about uh, 11 years now, 12 years, I believe. Um, we are run by expats, we're a full team of expats, so we know what it's like to relocate, to live in a foreign country, to have to get to grips with a different culture, a different language, a new job, a new environment. And we work to connect expats living in the Netherlands, Germany and Switzerland with expat-based services, up-to-date information, news, listings, all of that kind of stuff. Personally, I grew up in the Netherlands, I was born and raised here, and I've been working at I'm Expat for about three years now. And uh, Abby, go ahead, introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. Um, my name is Abby. I am a managing editor from IMXPAT. Um, I moved to the Netherlands in 2018 um, from the UK originally. Um, but while I was in the Netherlands, we also had the changeover with Brexit. So I have a bit of experience of um, both sides of the table in terms of like relocating as an EU citizen and a non-EU citizen to um, the Netherlands. So I hope I can give a bit of a some like personal anecdotes today about what that's like and from our work that we do on the website, uh, me and Victoria know quite a bit about the whole relocation process and stuff like that. So we can share that with you today. Cool. Hmm. I think for starters, you were going to share tips, yeah, <laughs> for moving as a family. I'm sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> I was talking and talking, but um, I was on mute. Uh, yeah, just so again, welcome. Thank you for all the introduction of everyone. Um, I do have to say that we are having 258 joiners today. So this kind of a big group uh, for the event. And um, I think more than 62% of them uh, are traveling um, either to the Netherlands with their families. Um, so, yeah, I think um, we can ask Abby and Victoria 
to give uh, their five tips uh, when relocating with a family here to the Netherlands? Yeah, um, so personally, when I moved to the Netherlands, I did uh, move on my own to join my partner who was already living out there. But I think a lot of the kind of um, experiences is, that we had can overlap. Um, we also do quite a lot of IMXR events where we speak with families. So um, some of this is kind of based on what other families have said to us. So I think my biggest tip would be to like speak to your network and people that you know that might have already moved abroad, not necessarily to the Netherlands, but to other countries and ask them for their tips and advice. Um, this could also help you sort of set up a support network when you arrive in the country, which can be one of the hardest things about relocating abroad. Um, I think it's really important to involve your children in the move. Um, so whether that means like planning with them what their kind of new life is going to look like, um, maybe making like a memory book of like uh, leaving their whole country behind and their friends because it's quite a big difficult process. And so anything that you can do to kind of get them excited about the process, um, maybe you could give them the opportunity to kind of um, look at some local activities or places to eat when you arrive, um, how they're going to decorate their bedroom, like what the neighborhood's going to be like, where you guys are going to go, things like that. Um, I think it's also really important to think about um, the schooling system. So if you are considering a move to the Netherlands, about weighing up like local schools versus international schools and how that might affect your child and their education. So like the biggest benefit of local schools is that they obviously, your child will learn the language really quickly if they're relatively young. Children adapt very fast and integrate well and will probably make Dutch friends and very soon have better Dutch than you will. Um, Whereas like an international school, if you're planning to move around a lot because they do an international curriculum and they're generally taught in English or a mixture of English and Dutch, um, it's less disruptive, especially for older children to kind of break up their education if you are a family that is regularly moving, perhaps like in the military or you have regular secondments for your company. So I think doing a lot of research on the school system. Um, timing is super important in terms of if we're talking about disruption, making sure that you arrive sort of at the beginning of a school year or um, during during a school holiday so that you don't interrupt your child and make it difficult for them to adapt. Um, and then the final thing I would like to think a bit about homesickness, um, like it doesn't all have to be super positive and exciting. And I think it's really important to open up that space to think about how like moving can be quite a big upheaval um, and can be difficult for everyone like uh, personally I found moving abroad a lot harder than I was expecting in terms of the time it took to settle in and feel at home so I think making a space available um, for your child to be able to talk about that with you is super important so yeah those are my I tips. think <laughs> I think those are really great tips uh, Victoria is there anything you would like to add to that as well I, uh, I think Abby pretty much covered all of the topics that we were wanting to hit there, so I'm going to set it back to myself. Yeah. Great, that's great. So basically, before this webinar, we asked all of you, uh, what are the questions that are coming up in, into your minds when considering relocating to the Netherlands? So we kind of uh, made a great compilation of these. Uh, the first question that we have was from Pradeep. He's asking, this is my first step towards relocation. Where do I start? Um, maybe I'm expat, you guys can uh, shed some light on that, on the question sure. from Pradeep. So, as we said, it's like a big, a big step and there's a lot to think about. So I think um, it's very important to plan it super carefully and like lists are your friend. Um, I think the basic point where you need to start from is consider your nationality and your um, 
whether you need a visa or a resident permit. So unless you have EU citizenship, you will need some kind of paperwork to get to the Netherlands. Um, some countries have reciprocal arrangements, so you won't need a visa to actually travel to the Netherlands. Um, you can find out on the internet through the IND website, which is the Dutch um, Immigration Authority, uh, which countries these are. If you're not covered by a reciprocal arrangement, you will need a visa to travel to the Netherlands. There's a kind of short-stay um, short-stay residence permit called an MVB, which is like a temporary residence permit that allows you to travel to the Netherlands and then apply for your residence permit once you arrive. Um, in order to get a residence permit, you need to have a sponsor, is the way that the system generally works in the Netherlands. So this might be your employer, if you're working at a university, if you're coming to the Netherlands to study, or it could also be a partner or a family member if you don't yet have a job. Um, so they can, if you're applying through an employer, they can often submit your application on your behalf. Um, otherwise, you'll need to apply personally. And for instance, with a partner, they need to have the kind of means to support you. Um, it's also worth mentioning that every um, non-EU citizen will also need a work permit to work in the Netherlands. Um, this is something that if your employer will usually apply for on your behalf that it's worth knowing about. Um, to get one, you'll need something like an employment contract and you also need to take out health insurance in the Netherlands. So it's always the same of um, either you don't, you, need a, you don't need a visa to come to the Netherlands and you can apply for a residence permit once you arrive, or you do need a visa to come to the Netherlands, in which case you apply for an MVV, which is this short-term permit, and you can come to the Netherlands and then you complete your residence permit application in the Netherlands. Um, some other basic steps that you'll need to think about, obviously I mentioned a lot of it with work, if you want a working visa you will need a job so it can help to have um, your a job offer already in place before coming. Um, we'll talk about getting jobs with our recruitment specialist in a bit. Um, it's worth thinking about your accommodation where you're going to live um, and one of the most important steps is getting a BSN which is a citizen service number. This is what happens when you register with the municipality after arriving in the Netherlands. Um, you need this number for loads of things like getting health insurance, getting a bank account um, and things like that. Uh, to get a, to register, you will need to bring some documentation to your local um, town hall. And sometimes, especially if you're coming from a non-EU country, you'll need to get your documents certified where um, it kind of has like an official uh, signature or stamp to say that it's um, yeah like an official document. Um, so this is something you should definitely look into before coming to the Netherlands to make sure that you've got all your paperwork in order in that way. Um, and as I said, it's kind of just there's a lot of steps, and I'm aware that sounds quite complicated, but it's definitely worth putting the time the time in to kind of see how everything fits together. So getting a BSN depends on you having somewhere to live and having somewhere to live probably depends on having a job and so you need to like work backwards from the point where you want to be. It's a yeah. very comprehensive I, answer. Yeah, <laughs> I have actually a small question, Abby. The, sure, yeah. the, the, the MVP, the, the short term mm -hmm. uh, visa, how long mm -hmm. is that one? So it basically just covers you for your for your uh, travel to the Netherlands, and then the idea is as soon as you arrive, you should start the process of applying for your um, Dutch residence permit because it can take up to like ninety days for them to process yep. your application. So it just covers you in the interim period. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. I think uh, one thing that is also important to consider uh, when you're moving to the Netherlands is the cost that mm -hmm. you will actually be getting. So depending yeah. on the salary that you're getting. Um, 
it would be wise, I think, to make a pre-calculation of what your your daily life could look like uh, with the means that you will be receiving from your employer. So um, here on the Darwin recruitment side, we also have a cost of living calculator. Uh, we will be sharing the link to that later on in the webinar. So please stay tuned, uh, stay tuned for that one. Um, did you want to add anything uh, to the story as well, Victoria? I don't really think there is anything to add. Yeah, she's <laughs> doing really well. So another question that we have, right? This one uh, was actually asked by multiple people from Amit and Mario. Thank you for your questions. Uh, the question is, are there any companies that can offer relocation assistance? Um, Victoria or Abby? Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. There are absolutely companies that offer relocation assistance. Um, I'm not entirely sure what perspective they're coming out from this with this question. If you are being relocated by the company that you currently work for, or if you've been headhunted by a company that is based in the Netherlands, it is extremely likely that they will cover the costs of your relocation and the relocation of your family. They might even throw in some other benefits, whether it's you know covering the cost of one or two flights home to your, your home country a year stuff like that. So absolutely, there are companies out there that will that will pay for that. You could, on the other hand, be asking whether there are companies that exist that will help you. And that also exists. There are plenty of relocation companies that uh, operate in the Netherlands, and all of them are designed and have packages that are designed to help single people and families operate and, and make that big move from wherever it is that they're from to the Netherlands. And they can potentially help you with the house search, they can help you with the actual physical act of moving, packing up boxes, getting them shipped, unpacking them. So yes, there are plenty. There are, we have a long list of, of relocation companies that operate in the Netherlands on the IMEXPAC website as well. So it's definitely worth taking a look and, and finding one that, that works for you and, and your situation. Great, thank you for the answer, Victoria. I'm also seeing that there are some questions from the audience. Yep. I would like to tackle one of those. Um, one, first question, uh, this is a good one. Um, I have applied to many jobs. Uh, thank you for the question, by the way, uh, by the way, Shuba. I have applied to many jobs from LinkedIn, but there is no response. And if I get any response, it will be like, uh, you're not eligible for the job. Um, I think this is one thing that I would like to tackle and we'll be focusing a little bit more on the subject a little later on as well. But um, you know, especially from IT perspective, there are a lot of applications coming in from people who want to be moving to the Netherlands to, I don't know, pursue such a career here. Um, but from my opinion, a lot of clients already uh, within the Netherlands, they, they would really want to consider the talent pool already located here. So they usually give preference to applications coming in from the Netherlands themselves. So with that being said, I think there are some ways to make your application stand out but you will have to stay tuned for this one as we will be going over those tips a little later. Um, so we have another uh, question, uh, one from Balu. He's saying currently his ICT dependent visa, I think this stands for intra-company transfer visa, is in progress. And he's asking, would I be eligible to get to work on the same visa? So um, if you have an ICT visa, if things are good, you will be employed by a company here in the Netherlands. So you should be able to work on that. Uh, if you will, if you need to work for another company within the Netherlands, then yes, you would need to apply for an HSM visa. But again, these same stipulations are applying that you would need to have a sponsor in order to um, get such an application through. 
I hope that this would um, discovers your question about the 30% uh, taxing bracket. We will be getting back to that in a little bit. Because um, one of the next questions that we have is um, it's actually from Mort. Thank you for the question. How can you compare taxes and how would be the best way to highlight any quality of life issues in the Netherlands? Uh, I think that's uh, this one for you guys as well. I am next back. <laughs> Cool. Uh, yeah, or you can talk about taxes. <laughs> um, so uh, it's probably worth saying that taxes in the Netherlands are generally considered relatively high, um, but not, you know, higher than you might be used to in your home country, but not as high as in some neighboring countries in Europe, like Germany, for instance. Um, generally, you can reckon on paying things like uh, payroll tax, which covers a lot of your national insurance contributions, um, and they're direct, deducted directly from your salary. Um, you also pay like VAT on goods and services, uh, municipal taxes, which um, generally are included in your rent, and that covers things like property taxes, waste and cleaning levies, and other bits and bobs like that. Um, it's not a tax, but it's also worth mentioning here because it's a kind of mandatory deduction from your salary is um, health insurance is compulsory. We will talk in more detail about health insurance later, but um, health insurance is a mandatory, like a mandatory payment. Um, it's not deducted before tax. You pay it um, directly from your bank account, but it generally costs around 100 euros plus a month. Um, so like putting all of that together, like depending on your wage bracket, you can reckon on losing somewhere between 30 to 40 percent of your salary to taxes and health insurance and mandatory deductions um there's a lot of like tax calculators out there if you want to have an idea about how this you know if you're considering a job offer how this might um work out for like take-home pay you can use a tax calculator to work that out it's probably the easiest way of um, getting an accurate number um a little bit about the 30 percent ruling because i know that uh, we had some questions about this as well so um, in the Netherlands, we have a special um, kind of tax advantage for highly skilled migrants. So if you specifically relocate from abroad to the Netherlands for a job um, that is designated as being highly skilled, you qualify for a tax advantage that essentially reduces your taxable salary by 30%. So you only pay taxes on the 70% of your income. Um, so like define someone as highly skilled, the government generally uses a... Um, income threshold. So in 2022, um, it's 39,647 euros for the 70% of your salary. So um, if you times that out, it works out about a um, salary of 56,000 euros to qualify for the 30% ruling. If you have a master's degree, it's slightly lower. Um, it's 30,001 euros for the 70%, which works out about 43,000 euros um, gross. So um, yeah, it's, it's generally for like the higher salary ranges, but um, because salaries in the Netherlands are relatively high, it's quite a common thing for um, skilled migrants to take advantage of, especially working in sectors like IT and tech. Um, we've got some information about the 30% ruling on the IMXR website if you're interested, so you can read up about it. And there's sort of a lot of um, yeah details about it, like you're only allowed to claim it for five years and stuff like that. So if you are interested in finding out more, you can head to our website for information about that. Yeah, that's a very great answer. I would also like to add that um, sometimes when you're moving from abroad to the Netherlands, there can be quite of a shock. Uh, some things can be different uh, across the countries. 
uh, right now in the Netherlands, we're experiencing a, a housing crisis, which can make it as well a little difficult for you to get um, maybe, you know, a single home for you and your family if you're relocating with your family. So what I'm seeing as well is that some candidates uh, that are moving into the Netherlands, they need to make concessions, at least for the first few months. Uh, maybe they need to... I don't know, share like a living space or something until they get things in order and actually get a viewing and then to get a house. So I would also make sure to keep these things in check and uh, be a little flexible on this if your wish is to really be living in the Netherlands. Shanti, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, to uh, this? Yeah, actually about the fact that we do have on our website um, the, the cost of living calculator. I think we haven't mentioned that part. Um, yeah, we can send you later on the link so basically you can compare the cost living uh, from your own country or where you are based at the moment uh, with the one of uh, the netherlands so you can compare it and see uh, and again as nazar <laughs> nazar has explained uh, don't be shocked um, about the pricing <laughs> that it can be you know a little bit higher uh, in the netherlands um, than you know ah yes she already <laughs> sent the link <laughs> so you can already find it on the link um, and yeah you can maybe find out more before considering moving uh, to the Netherlands that's great thanks how about you Victoria anything you would like to add yeah I would agree I think a lot of people are aware perhaps that the Netherlands is offers quite a high uh, quality of life but they're maybe not prepared for the costs that come along with it and it can be a bit of a shock generally it does mean that the salaries are also higher than perhaps what you're used to but it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't feel the prices uh, especially at the minute I, I would say that a lot of people are, are feeling and they're noticing how how quickly prices of food and energy and also house prices are rising so it's definitely something to take to take into consideration when, when preparing for the move and like you said concessions you know things that are perhaps normal or an everyday item for you in your home country be ready for it to perhaps cost more here in the netherlands but that's not to say that it isn't a oh. nice country as well <laughs> i don't want to sort of put you off it's, yeah. uh, it's a lovely country to live in but the, it does come with a, a price <laughs> Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's a very valid point as well that you're displaying, or at least that you're mentioning, I mean, because, um, yeah, here in the Netherlands, things can be uh, quite different, and, um, yeah, sometimes people are just not aware of it, so really want to thank you all again for being here. Uh, we're not finishing, but, um, yeah, I hope you, you stay here because uh, we still have some uh, more tips that uh, can really help you transition into life here in the Netherlands. So, we have another question. This one is from Medini, thanks. He's asking, can I practice medicine in the Netherlands? Um, he also mentions that he is qualified to practice in India. Um, but maybe you guys from I'm Expat, you have um, some tips yeah, for him? So I'll take this one. Um, mm -hmm. I will start off by saying that it is quite difficult to become licensed to practice medicine in the Netherlands. Even if you are qualified in India in this case, uh, there are quite a lot of hoops that you'll need to jump through into, in order to be able to become a fully practice uh, well, I, I guess it depends what profession you have, but I'll go with doctor sort of to generalize at the minute. For starters, obviously, as has been mentioned by Avi and us throughout the webinar so far, you will need to uh, adhere to all of the existing requirements for work permits and resident permits. So taking all of that outside of the out, out of the question, there are a couple of conditions that apply. So you will have to make sure that the qualification that you have, in this case from India, is recognized in the Netherlands. So you'll have to get it registered with the Dutch government and you will 
the standards and the procedure for this will be different depending on where you're from, what kind of qualification you have and where the qualification is from. So it could take longer and you could find that it's harder than say if you were coming from or were qualified in a different country. Secondly, you'll also have to sit uh, sort of a general skills exam. I believe it's called the AKV test, just to check your, your general knowledge and your general skills in medicine. And you'll have to register in what's called the BIG or the BIG register, which is run by the Ministry of Health. And it's required by pretty much anyone that wants to work in the Dutch healthcare system. Finally, <laughs> sorry, it's a list. But finally, I would say that probably the biggest hoop to jump through as an international who's wanting to come and work in the Netherlands is that you will need to be able to prove your profi like language proficiency skills. So you will have to speak Dutch. Um, obviously, a lot of healthcare professionals in the Netherlands are also expected to speak English. So your English language skills will be a huge plus, but you will have to go through the whole process of learning Dutch and sitting exams in order, in order to become a fully fledged doctor or medical professional uh, in, this in, in the Netherlands. Um, my, my top tip, obviously, as someone that doesn't work as a doctor, I haven't had to go through this, but probably the best thing for you to do if that is uh, the line that you want to go down is to take a look on the big register website. I believe the link has just been shared in the chat uh, and all of the information is in English and you can find out all of the steps that you'll need to take in order to become licensed and registered to work here. But it's, it's, not, it's not easy. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great answer. So we're getting a lot of questions as well uh, from the chat. Thank you guys for that. Um, I'm not sure we can go through all of them, but we're going to do our best. I have a question right here um, from, oh, I cannot see the name, uh, from Ivan. Thank you. He's asking, I will apply for a visa as a highly skilled, mi highly skilled migrant. My wife will be relocating with me. Are there any job restrictions for her? For example, a minimum salary? Um, anybody from the group would want to tackle this one? As far as I'm aware, she would qualify um, if he was able to cover her as a sponsor himself with his own visa, then um, in terms of having like a salary to be able to um, cover her. But if she found work, then obviously she would go through the same process of um, getting a sponsor through an employer and getting a work permit that way. So there's kind of two ways you could do it, either as a dependent residence permit, in which case he will have to have the financial resources or prove that he has the financial resources to be able to um, cover her for the time being or she could apply for work separately but um, she wouldn't have any restrictions in terms of like salary requirements. I believe also as soon as uh, if she comes into the country as a dependent that would obviously get her into the Netherlands but then if she wanted to go through the process of finding work here she would have to go through her own process of getting a work permit and making sure that she was allowed to work in the Netherlands. Yes absolutely. Okay. Thanks for the answer. So moving on to the next question, <laughs> a very relevant one, one that I hear uh, almost daily. So Diego asks, what is the common cause of delays in relocation? Have you or Victoria? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that lots of people might want to jump in with some additional experiences. I guess some of the stuff that I uh, have experienced personally or um, have heard anecdotally of happening to other people. Um, also one of the big ones I think is like choosing an inexperienced moving company so as we've mentioned before the Netherlands is an expensive country and uh, it's kind of an area where you like you get what you pay for um, so 
I wouldn't tempt, be tempted to go to the company that's offering you the cheapest quote. I would pick the company that has been recommended to me by someone like either through a kind of a platform or word of mouth or someone else you know that's had a good experience or if you can find reviews for them online. Um, so my, you know, a cheaper service might give you an unrealistic expectation or not handle the paperwork properly, um, depending on where you're moving from. And two, there's quite a lot of steps and hoops that need to be jumped through. So I think, uh, yeah, you get what you pay for. Uh, I think visa paperwork issues can be a big holdup, um, especially in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, it seems to have just become a kind of catch-all excuse that seems to take longer now, even though no one's really sure why <laughs> or um, if that's still true. Like everyone seems to have gone back to work normal, but everything still takes longer. So as I mentioned before, it's taking like up to 90 days for resident permit applications to um, go through. Uh, if you haven't got the correct paperwork or, you know, um, as I said, you have to get some of your documents certified, things like that. If you don't kind of do your homework and make sure that all of that is in place before starting the application process, it will get flagged up and it will kick everything back and you need to start the kind of process again. Um, and the final thing I think, or at least this is, was my own experience, is just like not planning things properly because a lot of steps involve other steps being completed first and if you try and do them out of order it can become complicated um, like uh, with getting your BSN sorted you need somewhere to live first and to get somewhere to live you need to have your job offer and things like that so kind of adequate planning I don't know if anyone has anything else to add to that um, yeah I would say yeah, yeah I, I think also kind of Bouncing off of the last thing you said about working backwards and, and making sure you've got all of the right things sorted, it's the Netherlands specifically, as we've kind of touched on, because of the housing shortage, I know we'll go into more detail later about finding housing in the Netherlands, um, but I, I, I'd assume that that's something that can take up quite a big proportion of someone's time, and it's something that's obviously quite important, and you want to get it right, and you want to do it well, um, so I think that that's perhaps not delay, but it can play a big part in the amount of time it takes for you to relocate and go through the process of moving and really settling in. Great. Okay. Thanks for the yeah. answers. So let's I think, see. I have. A, yeah. Go ahead, Shanti. Yeah, I think Zakaria. Is, I mean, is is almost um, almost the same question. He's like, what is the quickest way for finding housing? Now we're covering housing a bit for that. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. think Abby and I were kind of planning to go into detail about this later. Yeah, so, we've yeah. got some we've got some tips we're sharing yeah. a bit. Thank you. Stay tuned, Zakaria. Yeah. Okay. Great. So Edmund uh, asked us a question. He's saying, my girlfriend is Dutch. Will that help my application? Um, this is another situation where I'm not entirely sure what the situation is exactly. Uh, having a Dutch girlfriend, as you've mentioned and sort of touched upon with the, the concept of partner visas and partner residence permits can definitely help the process of you moving to the Netherlands. If you want to move for your girlfriend or because of your girlfriend, then she can apply to be your sponsor and she can be essentially what gets you into the, the country. So it can definitely help. However, if what you're saying is that you've got a job and you're planning to relocate as a highly skilled migrant, the your relationship status will have no impact on your residence permit application. You will get in through your business and through your work and through your job. So having a Dutch partner or a, a relative that lives in the Netherlands can definitely help to get you here. But if you have another reason for moving, for example, work, uh, your relationship status is irrelevant, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
you can find more information as well. I, I, I've kind of done a quick overview there, but obviously, as we've mentioned before, you can find loads of information about the different kind of residence permits and work permits on the IND website, which I believe the link is going to be shared. Yes, there you go. <laughs> I can also second that. I really recommend everybody to be reading up, uh, especially when uh, doing visa applications and these things, as there is no one straight process, right? It really depends on your personal situation, sometimes mm -hmm. your background, what credentials you've obtained during the years. So really have a look at, at the sites uh, later on, uh, and hopefully you can get a more tailored uh, answer to your questions. Uh, so moving on to the next one, Manas from the UK. Thanks for the question. What are the migration policies for relocating to the Netherlands? I think we've briefly touched the subject. Mm -hmm. um, did you guys want to elaborate a little bit more on this as well? I was guessing because he's from the UK that this is a specific UK question because obviously obviously lots of stuff has changed since Brexit. So if this isn't right, sorry, but I'm going to talk about Brexit for a second. Um, so uh, obviously... Uh, when I yeah when I first moved to the Netherlands I qualified as an EU citizen and then um, in the meantime the rules have changed so um, if you're moving from the U or if you're a UK national in the Netherlands the biggest um, the most important thing is the, uh, the date December thirty first twenty twenty so if you arrived in the Netherlands before the end of twenty twenty you were covered by the withdrawal agreement which basically gives you like the same right to work and live in the Netherlands as an EU citizen and so you're you have sort of um, unlimited right of residence. If you're moving um, from the, if you have British nationality, British citizenship, and you're moving to the Netherlands after the December the 31st, 2020, you are not covered by the withdrawal agreement. And so that means that you'll be treated the same as what they call third country nationals, which is essentially your non-EU non um, citizenship. It, it just means the same rules apply as what we've already spoken about. So you'll need a residence permit to, um, for a job or to study, or you'll need a family member to sponsor you. Um, and you will then need to get a work permit once you arrive. Um, I believe you don't need a visa to travel though because there's a reciprocal visa arrangement. How long um, is the visa? Yeah. yeah. I think at the moment it's um, most people can stay for up to 90 days and then they need to apply within that time. Yeah, I think it's the standard Schengen visa yeah. rules that apply. Yeah. Um, but you can find out more about it on the IND link that we just posted above. It will also cover the UK on that, yeah. on that link. Yeah. Okay. Great question. I think this is something that is very relevant to people coming in from over the pond. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually have a question uh, from that because yesterday I spoke to a candidate. Uh, he has, so he used to live for five years in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. He's from India. Uh, lived for five years in, in the Netherlands with an HSN visa, but then just recently moved to the UK, um, and he's got the resident permit of the Netherlands. But yeah, how does it work if he wants to keep working in the Netherlands, but then remotely from the UK? It's really complicated. But oh, that's complicated. <laughs> um, I need to get back to UK, him. Yeah, I think that would also fall quite a lot under like UK visa and, and labor laws because you'd have yeah. to make sure that you're entitled to live in the United Kingdom. Yeah, I think a lot of the time with residence permits, they have rules on if you spend more than like, say, 180 days outside of the country. I think that's the standard for the EU. Mm -hmm. Then you're no longer considered. Um, like a tax resident and then you potentially jeopardize your residency status. I yeah. think a lot of um, with coronavirus, a lot of things got given a bit of leeway, but I think that's coming back into force more now. Also um, worth noting that if you're outside of the Netherlands for, full, for more than a certain period of the year, then you risk being taxed twice. 
Mm. So I think I think it's six months or three months. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but yeah, you you can't be outside of the Netherlands for too long because otherwise you could get taxed in both countries. It's I think it's six months. Yeah. yeah. To be honest. Yeah. It's not okay. necessarily a setup that would I would necessarily recommend. I think it's a little <laughs> yeah. bit tricky in terms mm-hmm. of yeah. What what advice can I give him then? So basically, just um, yeah, every single time when he moved of. Uh, work hybridly from the UK to the Netherlands to get like the Schengen visa every mm. single time. I don't know if you're allowed to work on a Schengen that's, visa. Yeah. That's yeah, the thing with like, um, <laughs> it feels like with, um, you know, a lot of countries have now brought in these kind of um, remote work visas mm-hmm. because remote work is such a big thing now, but it hasn't been before the p- pandemic. It feels like loads of countries haven't quite brought in the legislation yet that matches the kind of new working habits where people can be working from a country in a different country and it's not quite the legislation isn't quite there in terms of like residency requirements and things yeah it's quite a gray area i believe there was also information on the ind website about working for dutch companies and companies based in the netherlands but from abroad so that would probably be the best port of call for him to make sure that he was clued up in all of the the sort of legal knowledge that he needed all right thank you Great. So moving on to the next question. This one is from Anbarasu. He asks, how long does it take to get relocated permanently? Um, you guys yeah. have an idea? Yeah, I mean, um, it's quite uh, difficult to give an exact time frame, but I guess we can re- go back to some of the time frames that we mentioned before. So obviously the whole thing depends on your nationality and circumstances like whether you can move straight to the Netherlands if you've got a reciprocal visa arrangement or if you have to sort things out from your home country and then apply once you're there but generally once you're in the Netherlands um, it takes up to like 90 days for your residence permit to be processed Um, then you would need to factor in the time that it would take to find somewhere to live so um, again we're going to talk about rentals in a second but like anywhere from like a few days up to a few months um personally it took me i think three or four weeks to find somewhere to live after i first arrived in the netherlands um other people find something pretty much instantly and some people it can take like a long time um so it's worth starting to search as quickly as possible uh then probably the final step into kind of like relocating permanently is registering with your municipality and getting your bfn um, so you're supposed to do, you're supposed to register within 15 days of arriving. Um, obviously, you can't register until you have somewhere to live. So um, this can kind of delay that process, but uh, generally they're quite understanding of the fact that you, you need to have somewhere to live before you can register. So after you've found somewhere to live, then you need another sort of within the next 15 days, you will get your BSN um, Normally you get it instantly once you register and then you can use this to start, you know, opening a bank account, um, uh, getting health insurance and things like that, which I guess are kind of the final steps to like becoming a proper Dutch resident. Um, yeah. yeah. Sounds good. So I'm seeing a lot of questions in the chat. Uh, thank you guys. As I said, I'm not sure we can uh, answer all of them, but most of them we should be covering with our next topics. So to wrap up this uh, specific part, I have one last question from Duca. Uh, The question is, how can I calculate the cost of living? I think Shanti uh, mentioned a a very good tool that you could use for this. Yeah, I think we we already covered that uh, on the question, the link. Um, You can find the link. Uh, So it gives you a calculation. You just have to... Um, mention or click uh, the 
part where you're living now. Um, and then uh, below, um, you just put the Netherlands, Amsterdam, and it will calculate uh, the cost of living, of living, of food, drinks, restaurant, etc., etc. even health insurance. Um, I don't know if we can reset the link again. I think uh, I think someone yeah. just did. I think the link. Is ah, there. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's there. Yeah, perfect. So that's the one for Doku. Great. Moving on, we have another next uh, subject, and it's going to be uh, also uh, quite a lot of questions, uh, and it's language, the Dutch language. Um, I have here a question from Oswald. Uh, what are the best resources for learning Dutch? hardest language ever. <laughs> so I don't know, Victoria or... Yeah, sure. Um, well, for, for starters, I guess it's quite an important question. If you're considering a move to the Netherlands, you want to make sure that you are prepared to take on the, the task of learning Dutch. Luckily, there are plenty, there are loads and loads and loads of language schools um, across the Netherlands. In all of the big cities, they offer in-person classes, but also more and more of them, especially after COVID have started offering more online classes and options for online learning. So there are loads. You can take a look at the long list of um, Dutch courses and Dutch lang language schools that offer Dutch classes on the iMexpat website. So I think the link is about to be shared. So you can take a look there. On top of that, obviously, um, there are other opportunities for learning Dutch. A lot of uh, the muni municipalities, especially the bigger cities. So I know for a, a fact that Amsterdam offers this and a lot of libraries as well offer free or quite cheap language classes for internationals that have recently relocated. So it's definitely worth looking to take to take a look what's what's happening in your local area and whatever, whatever opportunities there might be, especially if you're wanting to sort of do it on a budget because <laughs> language classes could perhaps be quite a big expense to take on if you've just relocated. On top of that, it's quite worth, it's quite important to note that taking on language classes can be quite a big time commitment. So on top of the money, you have to be putting aside quite a lot, quite a few hours a week to the classes, homework, whatever else you might need to be doing to, to keep up with what you need to be learning. So if you've recently relocated, take that into consideration because it can be quite a lot to get to grips with when everything is new and you're trying to get to get a, get a handle on what's going on in the country just as a whole. On top of that, there are loads of free learning resources online. There are loads of websites that you could use. There's one site in particular, I think it's borvo.com, that uh, is quite popular because it's quite good at helping people <laughs> get to grips with Dutch pronunciation, which I think is something that a lot of internationals can particularly find difficult. Um, all of the, the vowels and the hard <sighs> sounds are not always something that comes naturally to a lot of people. So stuff like that can be really useful. And there are language cafes as well that are free where you can buddy up with someone and put your language skills to use, which is quite practical because finding the time to practice, um, as I'll mention in a bit, but finding, finding the time to practice, especially if you live in one of the cities can be quite difficult because a lot of Dutch people speak very good English and they're more than willing to go over into English as soon as they hear that your Dutch is maybe not your first language or that you're not that confident in your Dutch, they will immediately say, oh, it's okay, we can speak English. Um, which isn't great if you're trying to practice and learn. So that's definitely worth something taking worth something taking into consideration. Finally, it's maybe a bit of a silly tip, but it's a good one. Um, watching shows and films on streaming platforms, stuff like Netflix. You know, there are loads and loads and loads of, of Dutch shows and Dutch films that maybe aren't things that you would naturally be drawn to, but it's a really fun way, I suppose, to 
start hearing the language and start familiarizing yourself with some of the vocabulary. Dutch podcasts as well, or podcasts specifically targeted at internationals wanting to learn Dutch. So one that I've definitely heard, um, like recommended is called Embeetje Nederlands, and it's for intermediate level learners who are trying to learn Dutch. So lots and lots and lots of resources <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, but, but to sum up, there are a lot of ways to learn to learn Dutch if, if you want to if you want to make the effort and you want to try. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I would like to tie into this uh, topic as well with a question from the crowd. It's uh, saying, I know it's from LinkedIn that junior or entry level jobs in the Netherlands are usually asking for Dutch. Do you guys feel the same? Oh, Shanti, would you uh, want to cover um, this one? Yeah, but uh, again, there's um, a difference from company to company um, because we uh, we do, we're Darwin, we are working with bigger corporate companies you know, such as FedEx, international companies where Dutch is really irrelevant. <laughs> but uh, there are also companies um, that are very, very Dutch, uh, such as Port of Rotterdam. So this is a port of Rotterdam. Uh, they are covering, or um, a couple of months ago, I had a request from the hiring manager, Shant. I need juniors uh, coming straight from school, straight from uni, uh, and they need to speak a bit of Dutch. So it, again, it depends. Um, and also what kind of sector uh, you're, you're going to work in. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the experience that I'm uh, tackling at the moment. So I don't know uh, from you, Nezar, if uh, yeah. maybe I would say it's pretty that. much, yeah, I would say it's pretty much the same. So. What we're seeing is that large enterprises, they have been through all their their transformations and the, this growth and development that they realize that if they want to stay competitive uh, for the market and their clients and be recruiting the best talent, they need to look abroad. They need to be hiring internationally. So they also kind of shape their, their way of working to tie into this. So they can accommodate a lot of English speaking people while the smaller companies um, sometimes still struggle here in the Netherlands. And that's why um they can sometimes still be asking for dutch language skills uh for junior people and usually it's because their clients are still speaking dutch and to be very honest with you um you know i'm not sure if you guys heard but here in the netherlands you have a lot of uh well the demographics are a little bit more towards the uh let's just say that there are a lot of seniors coming on board um mm -hmm. so if, if you're having this kind of demographic um and looking at the the corporate landscape you just have all these people who are used to speaking Dutch year in, year out for a long period, longer period of time. You know, generally people don't always like change. So I, I do understand mm -hmm. where they're coming from. And I think that this is one of the reasons why, yeah, they, well, some companies still would rather their engineers be able to speak the, uh, be able to speak Dutch. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's kind of a, we call it in, in recruitment, a unicorn profile. Um, because uh, Dutch speak, uh, speaking uh, developers or engineers, uh, they know, they know their worth, they know that companies are looking for more and more Dutch speakers. So most of the time uh, they're kind of arrogant about it. Um, so this is why we, we call them in, in, in our terms uh, the unicorn profile. Um, so more and more we also educating our clients like, hey, you know, you are looking for this, uh, but you're also looking for someone who, who is uh, fluent native Dutch. It's going to be impossible. Um, 
so yeah, we need to, uh, in Dutch we say, put water in the wine. You know, we need to balance it out. Um, yeah, but being Dutch and speaking Dutch uh, as a junior profile is not necessary. So don't worry about that. With that being said, though, and also tying into this, if you have the opportunity to then learn Dutch once you're here, I think it will really add to your value as, yeah. uh, as an associate as well. So really, please consider following such a course. Um, the links, I think, are posted in the chat. Um, so really give that a look and consider it uh, once you're moving here. So I think it's time for the next question, right, Shanti? Um, yeah. We have one from Ursula, I think. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, or yeah, he or she, sorry, uh, is asking, um, how much Dutch should I learn before moving? Should we, do you want to go first, Abby? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I took a little Dutch class before I moved to the Netherlands because I was quite excited about moving. Um, I speak German and English fluently, so I thought it'd be somewhere in the middle. It was a lot harder than I was expecting, and when I arrived, I realized that my sort of four words in Dutch were not going to help me to do any of the stuff that I needed to do. And everything was so easy in English. Like it's probably the easiest country I've lived in, in terms of like being able to get by in everyday life in English. And so that makes it less intimidating. So I think it's a really good thing to do to try and learn it and integrate. And as you say, it gives you better chances in the job market. It helps you integrate with your local community because um, the reality is if you just speak English, you end up hanging out with loads of other people that just speak English. And so you can't really, it's, it's different. It's a different experience, but I wouldn't not move to the Netherlands just because you get put off by the Dutch. Like it's yeah. very easy to make your way around. Like, yeah, I was telling Victoria the other day, I went to the bank on the, the first time to like open up my account and I was really worried about it and I'd learned some phrases before I went like and I was struggling to pronounce them and I was really nervous and then I showed up and I asked the guy really sort of like timidly in English if I could open a bank account and he was so friendly he was just like yeah sure let's do it and then he got the intern over and she did the whole conversation with me totally in English so it was just everything was easy like a lot yeah. easier and I, I think that's I think that's also what I hear quite often uh, because I'm half Dutch and I have a lot of friends uh, who are expat. They're like, yeah, but Shant, um, I'm trying to speak Dutch, but then living in Amsterdam, if a Dutch person hears that you're, you know, that you're a bit of foreigner or you have an English accent, they will continue back in English. Mm -hmm. So again, that's also something we are we're friendly <laughs> and we want to help you um but you know most of the time dutch is not really yeah i don't know a must i don't know what do you think Neza? i think yeah or victoria i was just gonna say that it's kind of a, a known fact that the mm -hmm. dutch are known as some of the most that having the highest level of english proficiency is non-native english speakers so it's yeah. definitely probably one of the easiest countries to move to if you don't speak the local the local language. But I would also say, as someone that lives here and is Dutch, I think outside of like when you're out in shops and obviously you can get by and people are happy to speak English and they will, as you said, go over into English if they think <laughs> it's easier. But if you're wanting to sort of socialize with people who live with you or who are your neighbors, I think making the effort to speak just a little bit of Dutch will make a really, really good impression and they'll really, really appreciate it. So while you don't need it to get by and you might find it difficult to practice in like shops and restaurants and stuff, I think it will 
still be something that will be appreciated on a more on a smaller scale and on a more personal scale yeah. and it will just make your life immeasurably easier yeah. <laughs> in the long run I think if you're thinking about stuff like for instance like you say you can get by in Dutch but like if you're communicating with a tax office they don't give you advice in English mm. for instance and uh, if you're buying a house none of that documentation is going to be in English so I think if you want to really make your life in the Netherlands and settle there it's kind of a non-negotiable in the long run but you can get by for a while without it especially if you have kids and your mm -hmm. children is going to school and they're coming yeah. back and they're speaking Dutch to you and you're like mm, okay <laughs> yeah. yeah with that being said Shanti this was actually a question from one uh, from Juanma from the audience thanks for the question mm -hmm. so that it's how easy would it be to move to the Netherlands or any of the other countries that we mentioned uh, with our two daughters and they don't have any idea of English I mean I don't have daughters myself but I can imagine <laughs> that kids kids are usually pretty quick on the uptake with languages uh, what I hear more people doing is they just enroll them in school and, and depending on how, how old they are they get there uh, but I think that um, well, maybe you guys have another idea but if you just do some pre-work get them on Duolingo or something along those lines I don't have stocks in in that app but um, <laughs> this, this is a really great app to get um, get up and moving with the languages as well and this is something I would really recommend especially with kids being so tech savvy these days do you guys have any, any other ideas on this personally I went to an international school in the Netherlands because my my parents had moved here and they didn't speak any Dutch when I was born and so they didn't sort of like we've mentioned they didn't want to have that situation where I was going to a Dutch school and coming back and then they wouldn't be able to help me with homework or speak to me about what I'd been learning so that's why I ended up in an international school and throughout my time there I had loads and loads of classmates who had arrived in the Netherlands speaking absolutely no English and quite a lot of the international schools offer really solid language support for these students so you know, I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with the higher tuition fees that you tend to pay in international schools, but it definitely pays off, especially as Abby mentioned before, if you're going to stay in the Netherlands, if you're going to move from the Netherlands to another country that isn't your home country, so your children will be staying probably in an international school system, then it's useful. Although I would also say kind of what you've just said, kids do pick up languages quite quickly. And if you're moving to the Netherlands and thinking that you're going to stay here, it might be worthwhile just enrolling them directly into a Dutch school because whether they'll pick up English anyway, as we've said, the Dutch speak quite good English. It's quite a big part of the society here. So they'll pick English up regardless. And if you want to make their life easier in the process of integration easier, they'll pick up Dutch just as easy as they'll pick up English. So you can enroll them in either and it'll, it'll work well either way. I have actually Sounds my good. own experience in that uh, because I, I mean, my, my dad uh, is Dutch and my mom Indonesian. Uh, and we moved, uh, we didn't speak Dutch, I didn't speak Dutch until the age of six. And we moved here uh, in the Netherlands when I was seven years old, then put in a Dutch school and I couldn't understand anyone. Uh, but then, uh, as you said, kids, they pick up like that. And uh, basically after school, I got like one hour, one-on-one -on -one with the teacher uh, to catch up the, the Dutch <laughs> language, basically. So for that kind of stuff, I think um, the Dutch education system uh, is very, very advanced because they, yeah, they want the children to be along with each other and get along with each other uh, as well. So yeah, there's an also another option. That's a good one. 
all right so i think that wraps up the language um section mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I think we've been through most of it uh if you still have any questions i really recommend you have a look at the im expert site the links are in the chat as well um and if you have any questions well i think they actually cover uh, most of the things on there i've been on there myself and i was actually surprised so i really recommend you guys having a look on there so moving over to the banking part, right? Um, we basically had only one question about banking, but it is something that is very important when relocating uh, anywhere, right? Uh, so Ganesh asks, it, is it possible to generate savings in the Netherlands once you have relocated? Um, yeah. I am expat. Could, um, do you, uh, Abby or Victoria, do you have any top tips around banking in the Netherlands? Current accounts, savings, credit, all of that? Sure, yeah, we can say a little bit about uh, banking in the Netherlands or like uh, some things that may be unusual you wouldn't expect. Um, So one of the perhaps most unusual things about the Netherlands is it's like almost an entirely cashless society. People don't really use cash to pay for anything. Um, So you'll need a a Dutch bank card, which they call a pinpas. It's like a kind of debit card, like a maestro. Um, You won't a lot you'll find a lot of places that you won't be able to pay with things like visa or mastercard so that's why it's super important to take out a dutch bank account unless you have a card from home that might work but anyway it's probably easiest to get a pin pass you're more likely to find places that don't accept cash than you are places that don't accept card i think it's very common uh Dutch bank accounts generally charge you for having a current account. Um, so it's like a couple of euros a month. But uh, for instance, in the UK, we don't have that. So that was a surprise for me. Uh, interest rates are relatively low. Um, but there's lots of different banks to choose from. So it's definitely worth shopping around and asking your friends or family if they have any um, tips or if they like their bank. Uh, personally, I know that like Aben Amro and ING, again, I don't have shares in them or we don't work for them, but they both offer customer service in English, which is a really, uh, for me, was super helpful. Um, ING had a really good app that you could do everything from. Um, to open a bank account, you'll need a BSN, which we talked about a lot, um, and a proof of address, so like a rental contract or something like that. Um, so again, that loop of how do you get your BSN and your address if you don't have a bank account, and how do you get a bank account if you don't have the thing? So it's kind of a complicated um Thing where it's worth finding out your steps to make sure that you don't end up in a situation where you like can't receive your salary into your bank account uh you can get credit cards they're quite um not super common in the netherlands but uh yeah people have them and um, they cost money so you have to again pay for your credit card like a monthly bill i think it's a couple of euros a month depending on your credit limit and stuff like that uh um just talking about like apps and stuff uh i think the dutch maybe have a reputation for being a bit like um i don't know what i don't want to say it Abby. <laughs> a little bit stingy with their money um yeah, so yeah. Um, it works both ways so they're very fair um so if you go out for dinner with someone and you buy the drinks or something you can always ask them to pay you back like they will ask you to pay them back so you can always ask them to pay them back so there's a lot of like apps um, and even bank account apps do this where you can share payment requests and so one of the most popular ones is called tiki um and so you'll hear people say a lot like i'll send you a tiki and it can be for like 20 cents like i've heard of someone getting a 10 cent (laughs) tiki before where they bought some onions and they wanted to share it across the whole house 
So like that's people will share payments. Um, so yeah. stuff like this, I guess, kind of helps you. Like you're not spending all your money on other people because you're building it up. So in terms of like your question about generating savings, obviously we mentioned that um, cost of living is relatively high in the Netherlands, um, but the salaries are higher too. And it obviously depends on your personal situation. But like as a single person living in the Netherlands, even though I was kind of horrified with how high my rent was when I first arrived. I did find that I was able to like keep money back at the end of every month and sort of put it into a savings account. So most bank accounts, you can just open up a little savings pot and the interest rates are low. But depending on your um, what sector you're in and your salary and lots of other things, and obviously having to having children is more expensive. But I think for like single people, it's quite easy to build up savings on the, the salary that level, especially if you find like a good deal on your rent. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Anyone else got anything about banking? I think Tiki, uh, Tiki needs a shout out. So just to clarify, yeah, Tiki is an app that it makes it very easy to share um, bills, for example, because uh, not all establishments offer you the option to pay uh, separately. Uh, most of them do. Dutch Street, uh, they call that, I think. But um, Tiki is an app that definitely uh, simplifies this. I think I would like to add to what Abby just mentioned. Uh, make sure you get a Dutch bank account if possible, because mm -hmm. a lot of the payment services here in the Netherlands are based on Ideal, which is like a payment mm -hmm. service. And I think it only works with Dutch bank accounts. Um, yeah. You don't want to be in that situation, as she mentioned, where you know you need to be paying something or receiving a payment and you don't have a Dutch bank account and things get delayed. Uh, I mean, here in the Netherlands, they are very... <laughs> They like the rules, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So you need to be on time with all the payments and this. Otherwise, things can escalate quite quickly as well. Nothing to worry about. I mean, if you pay on time, nothing's wrong. But um, it would just be unfortunate if you got yourself in such a situation. So I would really, really recommend to getting a local uh, Dutch bank account uh, mm -hmm. once you're here. Yeah. There is also another question from Carissa. Will you get tax on transferring any savings from a U.S. bank account to a Dutch uh, account? I think there will definitely be charges Charge, plus yeah. just the exchange rate. I don't know specifically about tax. I guess it also depends on how much mm. saving, like how much yeah. savings you have. Um, but if it's not like a huge, huge, huge number with a lot of zeros, um, I don't think you'll be taxed, but you'll definitely have uh, charges that you'll have to pay. Okay. And then another Hi. question. What about wise visa cards? So again, uh, I think WISE is a, is a bank account or like a TransferWISE is the new name. Um, they have cards. Uh, generally, you can pay in some like kind of bigger shops, you know, like uh, high street stores and stuff. You can pay with Visa and MasterCard. But like uh, in Albert Heijn, for instance, which is the biggest supermarket in the Netherlands, they don't accept Visa. Um, nope. And most restaurants, a lot of restaurants won't accept Visas and bars won't as well. So I think it really pays to have a Dutch bank account because... I've been in a situation where you go out for a drink with all your friends and then you can't pay because they don't accept your card and it's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, would, I would get a card. A Dutch but it's true though, um, Abby, what you said about uh, Albert Heijn. Um, I, I actually just realized now, you cannot pay with your credit card. Not Visa, not MasterCard, uh, mm -hmm. not Amex, nothing. So, yeah. I had a very embarrassing situation in my first week where I had all of my shopping and then I only had my visa and they wouldn't accept it. And so I had to put it all back. 
so don't don't do it. It was embarrassing. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, you you learn though, but uh, yeah, yeah, it you is learn. unfortunate. Learn <laughs> quickly. <laughs> All right. So oh. I think that covers it for banking. Um, yeah. let's see. Uh, which brings us to the next topic of recruitment. Um, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of questions regarding recruitment tips and tricks, how to be um on top of the pile in terms of CV, what you should be putting on there. Uh, generally a lot of questions. Um, we already have some, so we're just going to be working through those. Um, so first question is from uh, Vlad from Canada. Shanti, why don't you do this one? Yeah. So Vlad is asking, how do I tailor my CV? For the European market, and what is the best way to make a meaningful connections with potential employers? Well, Vlad, uh, so at the moment we can help you with um, sending you the link of the template uh, of CV. Um, I don't know, maybe the link will pop up later on uh, on the thing. But um, yeah, so CVs from the states and from Canada. Is different uh, than the CV for for European for the European uh, companies, especially in the Netherlands. For example, is picture important? Uh, can you put your your age? Ah, voilà, there you go. Thank you so much. <laughs> we have like a template, uh, a CV template that you can use. Um, it, it makes it clear and um, yeah. Basically, you just put it in there. Um, regarding meaningful connection and potential employers, some ideas and tips. What I what we can give you is, of course, LinkedIn. Uh, you need to have a good LinkedIn profile. Um, what you can do is put also the keywords um, of your specialty. So, for example, if you are a data scientist, you know you can always find the link of the people who are or the company who are looking for data scientists as well. Uh, so put the right tech stack on your profile uh, that will give an, another pop-up on, um, on your profile to, 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 uh, to sell it, basically, um, yeah, your, your LinkedIn profile. Um, yeah, what else can I mention? What else can I uh, add on that? I think you... I think you covered most of it. Um, so as Shanti said, make sure the keywords are there on your LinkedIn. It makes it easier for uh, for recruiters to find you. But usually when you apply, I mean, LinkedIn here in the Netherlands is huge. Employers just go to your LinkedIn profile to get like a good overview of what you've done. And make sure if uh, what your CV is, that what your CV is saying is also placed on your LinkedIn. Otherwise it could raise some red flags with uh, potential employers. I think uh, something that I will want to add uh, to be able to make meaningful connections with potential employers, follow their LinkedIn page, um, comment on their things. The recruiters, they they look at these, uh, these uh, interactions. And also talking about recruiters, just add them on LinkedIn. Uh, put yourself out there. Hey, this is me. Uh, I'm really interested in your company. Been following, been following your page for a while. Do you have any opportunities that could fit? data science, network engineering, uh, I don't know, maybe you're a physicist, <laughs> it's up to you, <laughs> but just, uh, just make sure to make those interactions and, and don't be afraid to follow up. So just send a follow up message, hey, I'm seeing that this and this is happening. It will only show interest, right? And here in the Netherlands, 
employers and, and the general culture, it really values uh, the candidate who is, um, how do you say this, very committed to the process, a candidate that knows more than just the role they're applying for, somebody that knows about their career plans, right? Um, so also keep this in the back of your mind when having these interactions yeah. with your uh, potential employers. The latest technology, the latest update, the latest post, everything what is uh, going on at the moment in the tech world. Uh, of course, if you're a, a developer or an engineer, um, there is also then and there's multiple questions uh, coming from um, a lot of people. Uh, there's the next question that I really would like to tackle. Uh, I get this a lot. Um, is, is it possible to relocate from India and get a tech job? Uh, yes, it is. It is possible. Um, and also, uh, sometimes what I get a lot, uh, and maybe because my name is Shanti, is um, but I'm not Indian, so I get quite a lot of uh, uh, requests from people from India saying like, yeah, Shanti, I have uh, three years of experience, or if I have five years experience, I would like to relocate. But sometimes they're not mentioning the reason why. You know, it's just like, can you help me? Uh, but unfortunately, I really, as much as I really would like to help all of you, um, I'm not Wonder Woman, so I cannot do that. So again, uh, what we mentioned before, you know, put your keywords, put yourself out there, uh, do also your own network, your own research, your own um, things as, such as uh, when you linked with, with the recruiter from the company, uh, follow the company, you know, um, follow the recruiter, maybe um you have more in common than can you please help me um so yeah that's from my part nazar yeah anything I to think add that this on that uh, yeah so what i'm really seeing and this is something that i have a lot uh i think in general um india is a huge tech hub right um mm -hmm. so here in the netherlands it's kind of <laughs> different so they're looking for a lot of uh, professionals in it while uh there is a huge tech hub in in india with a lot of very capable engineers i think the best tip that i can give you is to show your work uh i get cvs with a lot of uh, certificates posted here here in the netherlands certificates are usually nice to have but you should be actually able to do the job right so if i could give you one good tip is make sure your cv is well just put it in one of our templates i think that would really help because you know i'm a recruiter but if i had to make my own cvs i would really i, I use those templates as well so that's the first <laughs> tip but also i think if you have something that you can show maybe uh i don't know like a gitlab account or or something you know code that you have worked on if you're in it put the link to that on your CV because some recruiters, they really delve into that and hiring managers, when they get your CV, if you're applying directly, they click on there and they go to see what you're doing because everybody can say that they're very experienced and, and uh, they're senior in this and senior in that, but show it. So um, next to these tips, I would also like to say, if you're mentioning skills at the top of your CV, so for example, you're using this and that and this and that, and then in your actual experience part, you don't describe how you've used the tool, a lot of managers will not um, consider your profile as much as they would uh, the profile of someone who did do that. So make sure to integrate those skills within your working experience, exp explain to them how exactly you use the tool, and give a little scope. So instead of saying, uh, for example, I did this and that, I did this and that, and it had this as a result, or the scope of my work was this and that. I think that's one of the best tips that I can give uh, for now. 
Because we have another question from Shubham. Uh, in, is three years of experience uh, sufficient to get a job in the Netherlands? And moreover, reaching out to many recruiters, but they are saying we want the person who are a uh, resident of the Netherlands already. Yes, that could be what <laughs> that could be me, to be honest, uh, because it is true at the moment, um, especially after COVID. Um, more like traveling uh, from outside Europe, uh, coming to the Netherlands especially, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Uh, so uh, we got the, uh, the yeah, really easy to say, okay, sorry, we cannot help you because we're at the moment, we're only looking for someone that is already resident in the, in the Netherlands. But now uh, COVID is almost over, <laughs> I'd say just putting it on bracket. Uh, so we have the liberty, yeah, the liberty to, you know, to, to, to hire or to help or to um, yeah, hire people from outside the Netherlands, outside Europe. Um, so yeah, again, as tip, just don't apply and just say, I want to move to the Netherlands, but do all those steps, what we just mentioned before. And I would like to tie into this as well. Um, basically, I mean, three years of experience is, is nice to have. It shows that you, you have a good working experience with it, but also consider that there are also people people here are already having that skill. So usually yeah. when companies are considering relocating people, uh, they try to look for the people that are not to be found here. So if you're looking at like a general population, you have a lot of juniors, meteors, seniors up top. Uh, so these seniors are the ones that they are targeting. So if you're more of a junior, I would give you as a tip, try to get some more experience, not only in terms of years, but also in skill. Display these on your CV. And after having a few years of working experience, then try to reach out to people. I mean, you can do this in parallel and try to reach out as well. But to be very honest, if I would have to manage your expectations, I would not expect uh, employers within the Netherlands to be very jumpy on people from abroad that they need to relocate uh, and the engineer just having three years of experience. So um, I think this could answer your question. And one thing that uh, I'm noticing a lot with a lot of employers here, um, cultural differences. The Netherlands can be a very diverse place. It can be, uh, I mean, if I just look outside, I see all kinds of people walking outside. So this is one of the, the, nice, the nicer things about the Netherlands as well. But the Dutch are direct and uh, not everybody can cope with this. So sometimes when relocating people uh, to the Netherlands, you have to get used to the culture, you have to get used to the country and all of that, but you have to get used to the working culture and the, the values with in working culture as well. And I'm noticing that from a lot of countries from uh, Asia, you could say, it's a little different. So for example, there, when your boss tells you, hey, I need this done right now, you just say yes, because you want to please your boss and you, you're gonna work hard and you're gonna work maybe even after hours to get stuff done. Here in the Netherlands, they would appreciate uh, it uh, that if you're not gonna be able to get it done, that you are upfront with them about this. So for example, Tell them, hey, um, you're asking me to do this. I'm seeing it's a lot of work. I'm not sure I can get it done right now, but I can probably get it done by maybe the day after tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. I think this, this managing of expectations within a working environment is very important. And unfortunately, it's one of the points why um, a lot of people who are relocating here eventually don't fit fully into the culture or they struggle a lot with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Absolutely. I think that's it for now. 
maybe let's tackle the next question as well because um yeah, yeah the next one is um i think multiple people ask this one as well mm -hmm. how to be employable in the european market when relocating from outside of europe hmm. yeah i think this yeah. question is a little yeah so i think this ties into a little bit of the visa story as well right there are certain um there's something called the highly skilled migrant visa that that you could get but i think uh, the most important tip uh, for you in this is try to get it to come from your employer try to get hired from abroad because it will make things so much easier um, because if you have to start all of this on your own usually it's not possible because you need a sponsor um, so I think yeah to just get it started by uh, getting hired while you're abroad that this is the best way uh, to be employable within the European market uh, when relocating from outside of Europe um, next question I think yeah. this one's for Shanti yeah, again, uh, multiple people ask this and I've he heard it a lot. Uh, is it possible to relocate for a tech role without sponsorship? I think we tackled this as well. <laughs> it is possible, but it's just harder, uh, especially if you're non-European. Um, so it, it, it is possible, but yeah. Maybe I am expect you can help me with this, but I think we already tackled this already from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of different kinds of residence permits and work permits that you can apply for, but um, there are always conditions that apply. So it, at least let me put it this way. I don't know of any case where someone has come yeah. from outside of Europe and just walked into the Netherlands and then gotten a job from that. Like, it, yeah. it, it's so not, not possible. possible in my yeah. experience. So it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, you need something yeah. to get so, you. And I think also... Yeah, mm -hmm. I think also when you're considering housing and everything, just take it step by step. Don't skip any hurdles. Just I, if I could give you one golden tip, start with getting a job. This will open so many doors for you mm -hmm. because they will help you out with the visa application. They could even maybe uh, get you to compromise on the relocation costs, right? Some companies offer such uh, such support as well. Um, but if you don't have a job, you don't get a visa. And without a visa, you don't get a BSN number. Without a BSN number, you don't get a bank account. Without it, the list goes on. So just start at the bottom and then uh, work up from there. Okay, oh. next question. A lot of people ask this one as well. Does Darwin recruitment provide visa support? Um, well, the thing is we really supply um, our clients with the various solutions. Sometimes mm -hmm. our clients, they come to us and they want us to get them some engineers. So uh, right now, it's not a standard solution of ours, but by next year, we'll be launching a solution uh, that will also be supporting our clients and relocating people from uh, overseas talent pools to the Netherlands, as there is well, still a shortage here of, of good engineers. So I would say, uh, please keep our website in check as well. Follow us on LinkedIn and add us all on, uh, on uh, LinkedIn as well. And mm -hmm. um, we will make sure to share this news with you once we are live. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see, we have another question from Abujit. He's asking, are there many data science opportunities for those looking to relocate? You know, if we're looking at the IT landscape, from my expertise, I can say that there's a, sh a shortage in almost all of it. So this does include data science, this includes data engineering, it includes um, uh, DevOps engineering, cloud engineering, you know, since COVID, everybody has been working uh, from the cloud. It's actually just another mm -hmm. computer only further down. But um, yeah, so these engineers are very, uh, 
desirable here in the Dutch market. Um, I, I need to say, though, they do prefer people who are already here first. So it could be a little difficult to get through that, uh, that, that first screening, you could say. But once you're there, just focus on getting a very good impression. Talk about your career plans, as I mentioned earlier. And they should definitely make you stand out a little bit more from the mm. rest. Uh, Shanti, how about you take the next one? Yes, a uh, question from Umberto. How can you find a salary benchmark? Uh, normally, we also have a link for that one. Uh, um, it's, not, it's not the same link as um, the living cost. Um, I think we will pop, uh, yeah, we'll get that into a bit. Um, normally, the link will pop on that one, <laughs> on the question mark bench on the right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're working it's on getting the link there. It's an online calculator. Yeah. Yeah, we're working on getting the link there, and also I would just mention, you know, the regular Glassdoor, for example. Just go mm -hmm. in there, choose a company, enter your role in that, and then you will get a comprehensive list of what companies are actually paying in terms of salary. And I must mention that it does sometimes. It can be a little skewed. Um, it really depends on the company you're working for, what their salary, uh, um, how do you say this, uh, their salary house looks like. But um, Glassdoor would be a, a very good one, I, I would say. And the link has just been posted in there as well. Please have mm -hmm. a look at our market update. We spent a lot of time uh, putting this one together. It gives you a very comprehensive overview of the current salaries within the Netherlands. Um, and I think that it would be very beneficial for, uh, for you guys as well and very informative. Um, let's see. Next question from our winner. Um, um, there's, uh, the question is, is there a resume format from the Netherlands? Maybe we have a template that we can share with the audience. I think we've already shared a link to this template earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, it would be great if we could get that link up there as well again. Um, but again, uh, you have something called Europass as well. For example, uh, Google that I will write the name right Apple now in the chat. If you go there, um, you can also uh, see a few templates. Just make sure you really detail what it is you can do, both in the skills part as in your working experience part, so people don't have to guess. Make it easy for hiring managers to see that you can do the work. Tailor your CV to the job description. Look at what they're asking for. Make sure I can find it on your CV. I think this is uh, the best way to start as well. So um, let's see. Would you like to add something, Shanti? Or maybe Abby or maybe Vic? No, Okay, that's great. I think uh, we're arriving at the part that a lot of us have been looking forward to. Uh, housing. A lot of questions. Um, yeah. A lot of questions. Shanti, mm -hmm. do you want to go through these? Yeah. So again, a multiple question. Uh, so the, I think the first question uh, that we always get, is it difficult to find a rental property? And what are the top tips? I, I get this a lot. Like, uh, yay, you get the job, great. And now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, let's start with the bad news. It's, it is hard to find rental property. Like, it's a really competitive housing market. There's a lack of affordable housing, especially if you're looking in some of the major cities like uh, Amsterdam, Utrecht, The Hague, Rotterdam, where most of the expat jobs are. Um, there's probably reckon on paying like the average price per square meter at the moment is about 18 euros and above. So, um, 
yeah, it's gonna your rent's probably gonna be higher than you it is in your home country. Um, I guess the the thing to mention is there are plenty of options. Like there are, is a lot. Like it's a very quick housing market. Things turn over very quickly, but a lot of stuff comes on the market as well. So you just have to reckon on a higher price. Um, I think it's also relatively true that um, international people somehow just end up paying more than locals because we don't know the right people or um, landlords can charge a little bit extra when they know the people are desperate. Um, but, you know, I think it's definitely a case of keeping your ear on the ground and um, knowing the right people and making the right moves at the right times. And also just a lot of it is luck and patience. Um, don't forget the scams as well. And Yeah, yeah, we'll come on to scams. <laughs> don't you worry. We've got some scams. We've got some scams stories. <laughs> um, so in terms of like looking for a house, there's a couple of, like a lot of websites you can find online. Some of the big names are like Pariah, Spunda, um, IMXR. Actually, we have a housing listings board as well, which is specifically like international friendly. Um, if you're looking for a room or like a flat share, you can, uh, there's sites like one's called Carmenet, which is a paid site, or actually Facebook is just a really, really good resource in terms of there's lots of groups that um, share links for, uh, or they, they'll put up pictures and people looking for housemates. And so having a Facebook account is really helpful. Um, that's how I found my room was through a Facebook group. It's also worth, if you have already arrived in the Netherlands or you're moving and you know people who live here already, it's worth speaking to people and ask, telling them that you're looking for a place to live. A lot of the time it's about finding someone who's just moving out and they would prefer to get someone to move into their apartment instead of their landlord having to put it out. So sometimes even the best properties don't even make it onto market. So that's one of my big tips is to just try and like, let people know that you're looking, ask your friends, ask your colleagues, ask random people on the street. Like <laughs> someone will help you, like you will find something. Um, one thing that I do think is worth mentioning is something that I found completely surprising is that housing listings, especially on Facebook, you will often see that they're listed with a, just a thing at the top that says no internationals, which basically means that no Dutch people should apply for this room. It can be quite shocking. Um, the explanation is relatively benign. It's basically that a lot of the time house shares are in like student um, student housing complex or fraternities where they have rules about um, Dutch nationality, nationality and like loan eligibility. And so sometimes it's like you're genuinely not able to live in that housing complex. Or it could be a case of it like being a group of entirely Dutch people and them not wanting to speak English at home. Um, like... It's not it's not a nice thing to see, but I don't think it's like as negative as it comes across necessarily. Um, there's definitely like expat friendly places that you can look for housing groups. So there's specific ones on Facebook that will say like internationals housing groups or stuff like that. So you might, if you went through that and obviously end up living in a group with just internationals. And I don't know whether if you want to learn Dutch, for instance, it's better to live in a house with all the Dutch people, but there are expat friendly groups. Um, one of my other big top tips would be to send out personal messages to people. So instead of just copy pasting a thing, I guess it's the same with CVs. Instead of sending off like a bunch yeah. of to like a hundred people, think about it like an application. Like there will be a hundred people applying for this room, so you need to stand out. Um, so to try and get some of your personality across. Maybe talk about what you like to do and they're trying to find someone that's going to fit in with the house because obviously everyone wants to have a nice housemate and you know live with people that they like so writing a personal message is a really good point yeah. um don't give up you will send out hundreds of messages 
I'm trying to find a room, but everyone will find something. Um, Victoria was telling me the other day that like one of her friends who recently moved to the Netherlands was like looking for a house and she was starting to get really, really desperate. And then literally two days before she was due to fly, she found something. And the same for me, like after three weeks, I was starting to get really like fed up. And then I just went to a let and they were like, yeah, do you want to move in? You know, and it always comes together. Yeah. Um, consider short-term lets, furnished apartments is like a interim solution. Um, I know people that like let out Airbnbs for like a month or two um, while they're um, have a base to work from. Did I lose my connection a second? Then? Yeah, you lost very briefly. You lost <laughs> your two seconds. Uh, um, so like I just said, have a short-term let or something to just cover you for your first couple of weeks. Um, and then I would also recommend get, making sure, checking whether you're eligible for a benefit that the Dutch government gives out called a Kortislag, sorry about my Dutch pronunciation, um, which is like a subsidy to help with your housing. And the threshold is, for it is higher than you might expect. So um, it's definitely worth looking into because it's going to help you with your rent. Um, one of my final tips, I know we've talked a few times about um, BSN and registering and that the most important thing to be able to register is you need to have somewhere to live first, um, which can be difficult because you need to start working and you can't start working until you have your BSM. Um, so one thing that I found is in Amsterdam in particular, and I think it also exists elsewhere, you're able to register your employer's address for the first few months while you look for somewhere to live and you get your BSN. And then you can just update your address later when you actually find somewhere. So um, in Amsterdam, which is a company for like international, it's an organization, um, they have an office in the center of Amsterdam. You can go there with a form for your employer and register. So that's what I ended up doing um, so that I could get my BSN. So that was a really, really like big lifeline for me because it helped me to sort everything out before I found somewhere to live. But generally, as we said, find a job, then find somewhere to live, and then, and then you will be able to start your life. Um, yeah. Uh, Has anyone asked yeah. any tips? Abby, yeah. Helen, she actually asked, uh, do we have to mention that we have a cat? If uh, if the ads doesn't say no pets. Mm. I didn't. I was <laughs> going to say, I, I have a cat. That's why then. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of Dutch houses have cats and a lot of Dutch businesses like restaurants mm. and bars have like a resident cat because there's a big mouse problem so uh, it's kind of seen as like clean or hygienic right to have a cat because they help catch the mice so yeah. i wouldn't mention the cat if they say no pets. if they don't say no pets i wouldn't mention it unless Did you're you living of course with roommates and yeah because yeah. they'll find yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true also i think abby didn't you want to mention your scam Experience. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we were going to talk later about safe being safe. Oh yeah. No, that's here. true. <laughs> you can. We'll save the scam. We'll save the scam. Oh. <laughs> we're scared But there is a, another question from Pamela. Uh, what are the possibilities around buying a property once you've relocated? So the the housing market kind of fairly similarly to what we've all mentioned about the rental market is that there is a, a housing shortage and there's a shortage of affordable housing. So it is quite competitive and it quite, can be quite difficult to get your foot on the ladder, as it were. But the good news is that as an international, you can apply for a mortgage and you're eligible for a mortgage regardless of where you're from and how long you've been living in the country. So if you're moving here for a job and you don't want to bother renting and you just want to immediately buy your own home, you can do that from day one, which is good. 
But as I've mentioned, be prepared. Similarly to renting, you could spend a really long time trying to find somewhere, a lot of time going to viewings. You can feel like you're being put under quite a lot of pressure to sign on the dotted line, as it were, almost immediately after one viewing because it is very, very competitive. But the options are there, the opportunities are there. And put it this way, you won't be in any worse of a situation than Dutch people who are also attempting the same thing. <laughs> as long as you've got the money and you've got the mortgage, then, uh, then you're okay. Uh, while you are allowed to apply for a mortgage as an international, some of the requirements might be a little bit different to if you're a Dutch citizen. So you might have to uh, provide proof, for example, that your residence permit, if you're from outside of the EU, that your residence permit will be extended or can be extended. So all you need there is a letter from your employer. Uh, but regardless, you'll need a, an employment contract, and especially if your uh, position is a permanent contract, you'll need proof of employment if you're on a flexible contract or a temporary contract you'll need a letter from your employer to prove that your contract will be extended um, probably worth noting as well that temporary contracts are quite common in the Netherlands because a lot of employers tend to stick to the rule that exists that they're allowed to they're allowed to sign three temporary contracts or three years worth of temporary contracts whichever one comes first so it's likely that if you're starting here and you're getting a job that you could not be put immediately on a permanent contract so you might need that letter from your employer if you're looking for a mortgage um, you'll also need proof of salary all of that kind of stuff I think it's kind of standard if you're applying for a mortgage anywhere so it's not like a huge change to perhaps your own your own country um, what is interesting is there are quite a few mortgage providers that specialize in arranging or providing advice on expat mortgages we actually have a list of companies that offer those services and services in English tailored to expats on the I'm Expat website, which, ha ha, link. <laughs> uh, so you can take a look at that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's almost everything. You'll you might you might find that some of the requirements are a little bit stricter. Uh, prove that you've lived. Perhaps you might have to prove that you've lived in the Netherlands for at least five years, which goes against what I know I said earlier. But that is it's not a it's not a standard rule, shall we say? It's just a potential rule. And if you're able to pay quite a hefty deposit, then it's very likely that they'll waive that rule and that requirement because they need your money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that kind of gets the gist. Also, if you bought it and then you're leaving, you can always rent it out. There are no rules that stop you from being able to do that, even if you're not living in the Netherlands. So it's it's worth it and it's worth contacting an, an expat friendly mortgage advisor if that's something that you want to do. I wanted to tie in a little bit into that because you mentioned about the uh, having multiple year contracts before actually getting a permanent contract. This is something that is very common in the Netherlands. Once you start off working somewhere, you start off with a one year contract. Um, there are not many employers that offer you a permanent contract from the get go. And if they do, then they are really one in a million. Well, not a million, maybe a little less. We're only <laughs> 17 million. But um, I want to say that uh, that yeah, do not do not be surprised if you are offered a one-year contract from the start because this is the status quo. I think probably all yeah. of us here started off with a year contract and some of us are still uh, maybe even on it. So um, this is just very normal for the Netherlands, but rest assured there is enough work for everybody. Mm -hmm. Usually I think um, this year is just for you to get used to your employer and vice versa. Um, but yeah, usually, you know, if the work is good and you guys are hitting it off together it will get extended uh, hopefully they don't well at least if they don't go bankrupt or anything but we're not um expecting well, that um actually last year we darwin we helped uh one of my candidates 
um, adding because he wanted to have, he wanted to buy a house. He's from Israel. He lived here for three years as a Dutch girlfriend. And he sent, uh, he sent us from his um, uh, real estate and from the bank a uh, form that we have to fill in. Uh, so our uh, COO, Derek Reintjes, he filled that in by saying, yes, we are responsible and, you know, we are giving him this granted. So thanks to Darwin, and I was very proud. I mean, we were invited for this housewarming party. But uh, thanks to Darwin, he could buy a house. And uh, Victoria, I think what you said, you know, you need to have the proof. You need to get uh, your work, your employee signed this off. Uh, but, you know, if you have a good contact... <laughs> you have a good relationship with it why not yeah, yeah. so usually they then, do look out for the for the letter of, of intention right because yeah, after even if one. you're getting even if you're getting a year contract you could ask for a letter of intention that they will be extending that year contract into a yeah. permanent one afterwards and this will also i think usually increase your chances when bringing out a bid for a house uh when you want to buy it so uh, that's that yeah. is a good tip thanks for sharing shanti um then we move on. We have one more question for the housing part, and that's Tan Sanku. I hope I pronounce it right. Uh, what is the safest way to rent an apartment? Haha, <laughs> scammers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps you've maybe already gotten an idea from from the fact that all three of us or, or four of us have mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> scamming is something that happens, and it's something that scam scammers sort of take advantage of the fact that the Dutch housing market and rental market is extremely competitive. So it's something you need to take take care of. And especially as we've kind of suggested that Facebook is a really good place to look for rooms. That stands, that advice stands, and it is really, really useful and it works a lot of the time, but it's also obviously because it's Facebook, it could be unregulated. So it's somewhere that you need to be extra cautious when looking for somewhere to live if you're using that as your your platform. Um, a, couple, a couple of tips to avoid being scammed or to kind of follow with the line of question to remain safe while trying to find somewhere to live. Um, knowing where you're looking and knowing the prices in the area where you're looking is a really good starting point because as we've mentioned, if something's too, too seems too good to be true, then it probably is. And it's probably not worth you taking the risk. Um, so have an idea of what the general prices are, what is in your price range, what you can get for how much money you have to spend. And then you'll be going into it at least more informed and you're more likely to be able to tell, oh, no, wait, this does not look right. This doesn't sound right. Um, bouncing off of what we said earlier, looking on official and well-known websites like Funda is a really good place to start if you're cautious about stay, staying well clear of scammers. Um, it's harder for them to be able to run a successful scam on, on sites that are licensed and, and registered and check what's going up on their website. Another tip which might sound a little obvious, but... Never sign a contract before you've actually seen the property. Um, even if the landlord is, is putting you under pressure and is really pressurizing you into signing on the dotted line or making a payment even, um, don't do that. They shouldn't do that. And you should have no reason to succumb to what they're saying just because you feel like you need somewhere to live. So don't sign on the dotted line if you're not confident that what you're doing is, uh, is legit. Um, yeah, a on the topic of money, they can ask you for a deposit uh, as a landlord, but something that they can't do is ask you for money to like reserve the property or to, I think the term is like for, to like reserve the keys or to like get the keys, they, that's illegal. So if a landlord is saying you need to pay this money 
for the keys or whatever, that's uh, a scam. <laughs> that's probably a <laughs> way to know that you are being scammed. So step away, walk away. Um, never provide a copy of your like your ID or your passport. If they're asking for information, specific information that you need, that they need for contracts and stuff, provide them the information that they need. But before that stage, if they're asking you for proof of identity, they don't need it and you don't want to run the risk of falling victim to identity fraud. So watch out for that. On the flip side of that, if you're worried about the landlord and you're worried they might not be legit, you could potentially ask them for proof of identity. Um, that might help if they're willing to do that, then they're more likely to be someone that can actually be trusted. Um, yeah, I think Abby had some horror stories. Really <laughs> oh, not like horror stories. I think it's just it's knowing what to look out for and it's very obvious once you know the like common things so what you said about like if it's too good to be true it probably is like I found someone who was letting a studio apartment in like central Amsterdam for 800 euros a month and it's obviously a scam because you can't get <laughs> you can't get a studio <laughs> <It's so sweet. laughs> yeah you might get a parking space. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I had another one where it's always a very similar story where they said it was the apartment. The apartment looked beautiful, beautiful in the pictures, almost certainly not their apartment. Um, and they say that they're on holiday or they've moved or they've left the country and they can't show you around the apartment. But as soon as you give a deposit, then they will ask their friend to give you the keys so that you can move in yeah. and I think a lot of people do um we had a colleague who who did fall victim to one of these scams and she first moved to the Netherlands and she transferred the money and obviously the apartment doesn't exist and you don't get the money back and especially if you do it it's often by like wire transfer then the money's not recoverable because you've essentially transferred it willingly so the police can't do anything about it so it's a really horrible situation and you wouldn't want to be in that so yeah, I would be very wary about transferring people money before having seen an apartment. Um, you should always be able to visit it. That's not a situation where you would sign for something and not see it. I, just... I had, I have like one other horror story, which is really um, like my friend from the state uh, was looking for a house. She visited the house. Uh, the person opened the house, showed everything, ta 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 ta, and basically what it was that person that was supposed to be living there uh, was actually renting the house from Airbnb. So that is also one of the things that I was like uh, shocked. So uh, by the time that she has moved, she did the payment, she did that, she even got a contract uh, because yeah. she saw the person by itself. Mm -hmm. And then once she was there, no one could be found. Oh, that's horrible. So oh, that's also something. <laughs> They're very well, creative, so yeah, I don't want to shock everyone. But no, you know, no, I feel like stuff like this could happen anywhere, though. I mean, obviously, yeah. the market in, in the Netherlands yeah. maybe makes it yeah. even more common, but you can fall victim yeah. to a scam. One thing that someone recommended yeah. to me to do was to, if you have the photos, to search the photos on Google, and then mm. if it's like a stock image or if it's come from Airbnb or something, it will come up straight away. And if you know that it's not the right thing, then that can be a warning sign as well. But it's like being a <laughs> No, but also what Victoria just mentioned, you know, you can also ask them, like, okay, but can I also see your ID um, uh, on it? Uh, Krista, would you recommend using a real estate agent for securing a rental? 
I would personally. I, I, would. I think if you've got the money to spend on it, then uh, it's you definitely will, something to do. You will complain about how much it costs because mm. it is is expensive, and and they're not really acting in the tenant's interest a lot of the time. They are acting mm. for the landlord, and um, it can you will get charged for stuff like drawing up rental contracts and exchanging keys and things like that. It can be quite expensive, but it's safer, mm. um, and you know what you're getting. <laughs> Up to then, I think we covered all the housing, all the horror mm -hmm. stories and everything. Yeah. Oh, Neza, we lost them. Oh. Reconnect. Um, so, yeah, moving on, uh, I think for the next topic, and it's going to be networking. Um, unfortunately, Neza is gone. Um, let's see. We have a question from Nicola from Ireland. Uh, what is the best city? Uh, cities to relocate to from integrating and networking. Um, I think yes. this is quite a, it's quite a broad topic because obviously it very much depends on on what you're doing and and what kind of job you're going to be working, what kind of industry you're going to be working in. Uh, because what's quite interesting, I think, also because the Netherlands is quite small and even our cities are quite small, there are certain areas that have become hotspots for certain businesses and certain industries. So, for example, one that really springs to mind for me is that. Hilversum has become the base for like the, the Dutch media and Dutch press and loads and loads of our TV channels and, and offices and public broadcasting houses have offices in around Hilversum in like a media city. So that's just a hint that depending on what you want to do and what kind of industry you're going to be working in, it could be that the area you should, you, well, you should relocate to is different. Uh, but yeah, as I've said, the, the country is quite small. So if you're in what's known as Randstad, so it's like the, the central part of the country where pretty much all of the big cities are, and it's also where like most of the jobs are, uh, you could relocate to anywhere in that area and you'll be able to get to other cities in that area really, really easily and really, really quickly. And it's also where the most job opportunities are and the most networking opportunities. So it's probably the best place to move to as an expat and it's probably the place you'll end up moving to as an expat. Welcome back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back. Um, yeah I think I think that's kind of the top tip from a from an integrating perspective. From a networking perspective, uh, speaking to colleagues, speaking to friends, talking to people, but also there are loads and loads of events that are catered to expats and one that is obviously very important to us is the I'm Expat Fair, which happens in the Am in Amsterdam every April and in The Hague every October. So we've got one coming up on October 1st. And it's a great opportunity for internationals living in the Netherlands to connect with businesses that cater to expats, but also to meet and talk to other expats living in the Netherlands. So that's a really great networking opportunity for, uh, for internationals. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, Nisa. I think you have like, uh, the next question. <laughs> yeah, I, I was basically everything froze, but uh, yeah, I'm good to be back. So next question. Um, multiple people asked this one. Um, I think it was, what is the best way to integrate once you've relocated? Was this the question that we need to cover right now? Yep, that's the next one. Yeah, great. Um, um, yeah, weigh in. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have any tips. I know Abby and I had a couple that we thought of that would be quite useful. Um, from one point, I'll say, even though the Dutch are very, very good and very, very likely to be able to speak good English, this might sound a bit harsh but they're not the most warm or most welcoming uh, 
culture. They can be very friendly, but they can also won't be quick to like welcome you into their homes or welcome you into their lives. Um, for example, I've grown up on one street my whole life. I lived there for 18 years and I think I can count on one hand the number of houses of my neighbors that I've been into. Um, and I speak Dutch, <laughs> my family speaks Dutch. And even then you're not, you're not quick to, to get a, a, an introduction or a welcome like that. So if you want to meet people and you want to make friends with locals specifically, my main tip is that you really need to be willing to put yourself out there, which is why kind of going back to what we said about languages, learning a little bit of Dutch is a, is a really good start and it's a really good way to, to make that connection and make a good impression. Moving on from that more positively, um, tips for integrating and meeting people, joining clubs, joining like clubs specifically about like Dutch interests. I think one that's really, really popular is like joining a rowing club. People Dutch love rowing <laughs> and it's really, really popular and you're <laughs> with other internationals in a rowing team so it's a good way yeah. to meet Dutch people plus it's exercise so that's nice um language courses also a great way to learn the language but also meet people two birds with one stone um yeah I don't know I don't know what else there is Abby did you have a couple of I know we touched on this before but I wanted to mention it again as um the Dutch classes that get run here in the municipal municipality like the Schomenta they do these discounted Dutch courses and they're super intensive I think some of my friends did them where it's like two nights a week for like three hours. But she now um, is like really good friends with the Dutch person who ran it and all of the other people on the course because you're kind of surrounded by other international people. But they're also interested in learning Dutch because I think you can kind of fall into sometimes a very like expat heavy circle of friends. Like most of the people I knew in the Netherlands or know in the Netherlands don't aren't Dutch. I think I have one token <laughs> Dutch friend in my like kind of immediate circle of friends. Um, I hear that a like, lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, it, if you are scared about your Dutch, there's also, like, tons of stuff to do in English. Like, I did writing courses in English. I joined an English book group. Then there was, like, an English language pub quiz team. And, you know, there's lots of stuff that you can do to make friends. And I think that's definitely, like, an easy way when you first arrive because it's quite a lot to ask you to, like, throw yourself into Dutch culture. But I do think that kind of language aspect is a really important thing for like long term integration. Um, yeah, and Similarly, work. Yeah, work, charity work, volunteer work, and also the wonders of one technology. There are apps now that you can download yeah. just to date, but also to make friends. So I think the yeah. really popular one is like Bumble, Bumble BFF, which is a good way. Yeah. If you're really, really stuck and you really want to meet people, then there are other people on there who are other internationals and also Dutch people who are just looking to meet new people. And again, Facebook groups, there's like an expats group in Utrecht where I live and um, they have meetups and sometimes people post and say like, I've just come to town, like, does anyone want to go for a drink? And like, actually like 20 people would reply, which is super nice. So um, that can be a really good resource for meeting people. Like personally, I uh, moved to the Netherlands when I was 19. So I really had to build up everything um, once I arrived here. And I it's basically what they said, make sure you put yourself out there. Don't be put off by um, maybe th their briefness in communication at first sight. It takes a while to get them going, uh, but usually they are very caring and loving people. It just takes a while to, for them to warm up to you. Um, mm -hmm. And especially, you know, when conversing in English, it might not be their primary way of conversing. So it might be a little switch of um, communication style for them, but give them some, uh, some uh, leeway on that and they should be warming up to you quickly. So um, I, I think that's it for now. Did you want to weigh in with anything, Shanti? Well, the last thing is because now more and more 
companies are open uh, to work hybridly. Uh, in the Netherlands, on Fridays, we have this thing, it's called Vrijmibo. Uh, there's also something to consider, you know, uh, to just have a drink. Vrijmibo is Vrijdag, Middag, Borrel, means Friday afternoon drinks. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to force anyone to have a drink, but even if you're not <laughs> drinking alcohol, just come with, you know, go to the pub uh, with them, have a talk, uh, get to know your neighbors a bit better. And they uh, appreciate that as well, because then you show them that you can, oh, you are making an effort to get to know me. Um, so, yeah, Fremibo is something to, uh, I'm going to write it up. <laughs> <laughs> Voilà. Great. That's it. So thanks for everybody. Let's see. The next topic we have is actually about insurance and healthcare. We haven't really had any questions around this, but I think it would be still good to cover this. Um, I am expat, uh, so either Abby or uh, Victoria, would you have any tips around this uh, topic, insurance and healthcare? Yeah, I mean, uh, we. Briefly mentioned earlier that healthcare is uh, mandatory in the Netherlands, so everyone has to sign up. Um, I guess the basics, like very basics, is like the main point of contact with the Dutch healthcare system is your GP. So we talked earlier about first step is relocation. Like one of the things you should definitely do after arriving, after you've taken out your health insurance, is register with the GP. Um, don't wait until you're actually sick. Like get it sorted and then you'll know where you could go um, if you have any issues. Your GP will then be able to refer you on to other services if you do need like specialist care or hospital treatment. Uh, generally, healthcare services are public in the Netherlands, um, but there is some uh, privatized services. So things like dental, uh, physiotherapy and cosmetic procedures are not covered by health insurance, um, like your standard health insurance and have to be paid for privately externally. Um, it, Generally, you can kind of like toggle your health insurance um, extras so you can have the most basic package if you just don't want to spend very much on it. And then it would be around 100 euros a month um, that covers things like GP visits, hospital stays, pregnancy, prescriptions, ambulances and stuff like that. Um, you can add extra things on if you want to have more cover. So if you want things like dental care, glasses, physiotherapy, mental health, sexual health, alternative treatments like acupuncture or homeopathy. Um, so the more you add these things on, it's kind of like you want to pay four euros a month for dental and then like four euros a month to have um, sexual health covered or things like that. So you gradually increase your premium by adding on extra services. Uh, one of the biggest things that might be surprising about um, health insurance in the Netherlands is even though you have insurance, you have this thing called, again, sorry for the Dutch pronunciation, but eigen risico, so your own risk, I guess. Um, it basically means that whatever healthcare treatments you have within a year, you pay for the first amount. So at the moment, it's 385 euros. So if you, even though you're covered with health insurance, the first 385 euros of treatment that you receive in that year you pay for out of your own pocket and anything above that is covered by your health insurance you can also set this amount higher if you want to have a lower monthly premium so you could i guess it's like an excess for car insurance that's probably the easiest way of explaining it uh, again there's a subsidy for um health care um called the zorg toeslag um so this is 
again, the threshold is lower than you might expect. For instance, I qualified for it when I first moved to the Netherlands. I think I got like three euros a month from the government to go towards my health insurance. Um, but it's not to be laughed at. So like it's, it can be helpful. Um, so you should definitely look into applying for some of these benefits and subsidies. Um, the website's all in Dutch, frustratingly, but you can use Google Translate, which is what I did, or just ask a friend to kind of build up their application. Um, yeah, I don't know. In terms of other insurances, uh, car insurance is mandatory if you drive, um, and most basic kind of insurance that you need is third party, and you might choose to get some other additional insurance packages, but nothing else is compulsory. Um, as far as I'm aware, I think if you have a house, you need home and contents insurance, but that's kind of that's kind of um, it. Um, oh, it's also I've seen there's a question there about a family. So um, it's worth saying that children are covered by their parents up to the age of 18. So they're covered by their parents' health insurance policy. So they have it for free. Um, but the parents would have to obviously pay themselves. I don't think it's really common to have like a family deal. I don't know, Victoria, would you say that? Yeah, I, I don't know anything um, about a family deal, but you you basically, the children fall under the same insurer as their parents, um, generally speaking. I mean, you yeah. could if you really wanted to put them under a different insurer, but they, they fall yeah. under the same one, and it means also dental care. I think the only thing that isn't free uh, if you're under the age of 18, which is maybe a bit annoying, is um, like orthodontic care. So if you're getting braces, which is obviously quite a big uh, expense for, for a lot of teenagers, that's the one thing that, that is not free. But yeah, all yeah. other dental care for, for under 18 year olds is and, and other health insurance as well, uh, health care. And then they just have to sort out their own health insurance when they turn 18. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that's worth saying is you don't have to register for health insurance for like four months, but you mm -hmm. will have to backdate pay it for the date that you registered in the Netherlands. So I got stung by this because I thought that I could get away without paying for health insurance for like three months. And then when I signed up for it, I had a letter saying, our records show that you have been living in the Netherlands since like November 2018. And I had to pay like 500 euros all in one go. So just sign up for it. <laughs> don't try and don't try and avoid it. Just pay for it. Um, it's compulsory and you can get in trouble for not having it. Uh, yeah. Does anybody else have anything they want to add to the story? I think you guys covered it all, to be honest. Yeah. Totally comprehensive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think we are uh, we're, we're more than 30 minutes uh, overdue. Yeah. So I think we, we definitely cover everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, and if we haven't... Yeah, no, I, I think if we haven't covered anything, we will be getting uh, back to all of you uh, with a, a comprehensive list of answers to the, all, the rest of the questions. Uh, me and the group will be going over those later. And also, please um, have a look at the chat. We will be posting uh, the links right there right now, so you can have a comprehensive list of those as well. Please follow uh, imxpad.nl. Give the site a visit. It's a very nice site. I read it regularly myself. Very clear. And, uh, yeah. And if you're looking for any job opportunities specifically related to IT, uh, go ahead to darwinrecruitment.com. Have a look at our uh, profiles as well. Make sure to add and follow us on LinkedIn as well. And uh, I really want to thank you all for being here. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Shanti, as well. You all were very knowledgeable. And um, I would say thank you, everybody. And uh, hopefully until the next webinar. Thank you.